Welcome to ICO 101, a Crypto 101 podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Paul. Our mission is to give crypto and blockchain entrepreneurs the tools and tactics to break into and level up in the crypto and blockchain industry. In this week's episode, we want to help your business take communications with your community or customers to the next level. How do you do it? Why is it important? There's thousands of people out there, millions of people out there that you're trying to vie for their attention. We talk about things like transparency, unfair expectations, and figuring out how best to speak to your unique audience. If I was a CEO, what would I look for in a comms person? Someone who's got a history of being able to communicate and tell stories, because they can't tell any story, then they're certainly not going to be able to tell yours. As always, you will be left with some actionable advice that you can implement in your business straight away. Passion. They have to have passion. If they have passion for what they're doing and for what you're doing more and more particularly uh, or for the space that you're situated in then that passion will always carry them through because that's what you want in your communications you want passion here to talk to me about all of this is Shiv Malik Shiv is a former Guardian investigative journalist author of two books and another one on the way he is a co-founder of the intergenerational foundation think tank he previously advised the Golem project and is currently head of communications and marketing for streamer where he evangelizes about a new decentralized data economy he really is a master of his craft. And if right. you yourself don't have that passion, then screw it, like forget it, 100%. just go home. But before I turn over to you the show, ICO 101 Podcast wants to continue helping entrepreneurs and businesses in this space level up. If you feel like you can provide value to the community, then hit me up, even if you're not from the crypto space. I wanna hear from you and you can reach out to me in a few ways, at Sup Aaron Paul or at ICO 101 Podcast on Twitter. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn, at Sup Aaron Paul. And please smash that subscribe button on the podcast app you are listening to right now. So without further ado, let's dive into Communications 101, how to speak to your community. Shiv, welcome to the show. Great to talk to you again, my friend. Thanks for having me. Today, we want to talk about communications in the crypto and blockchain space. What's lacking in the crypto space in regards to general communications? What are companies doing right and what are they doing wrong? Why communication experts are needed and what do they really do? And last, we want to give the listeners some tools and tactics that they can act upon immediately. How does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> well, let's start right at the beginning then, dude. What is communications? What does a communications person do for a company? So my specific job is now kind of morphed. I started off just as the comms guy, but my role is kind of morphed now to take over comms and marketing. I head up a team of people, and then there's all sort of other kind of operational stuff that I do, uh, and includes events and things like that alongside all of the sort of morphing portfolio, if you want. But if you take a kind of regular day, my first duty is to make sure that the world kind of knows what streamer is. And the world begins with our community. So we've got some kind of hardcore enthusiasts who love us, who love to know more, who love to know what we're doing. The people who are invested, both if you want financially and, and more importantly, uh, technologically speaking. So they're kind of developers and people who have seen this journey right from the beginning, back from about a year and a half ago. Then as you kind of go a little bit wider, uh, you've got the people who are, again, sort of within our community. They're sort of, they come in, they, you know, once a week, they check in, they, they read a blog, they'll retweet a tweet and they have a looser affiliation. And then there's the wider Ethereum community. And then there's people who interact with streamers specifically, uh, just use this particular function or that thing. 
Uh, and we have to speak to all of these people. We have to keep them interested. We have to tell them we're still here. And it's a pretty difficult job, in a sense, day in, day out. Mm-hmm. What is the different pillars of communication that you're organizing? So, for example, you said people who have questions about a service or people who need communications via social media. Can you give me maybe a better understanding of those pillars? Yeah. So, first of all, we have Tom who runs our community outreach. So, he figures out what to put in a tweet. So, we have sort of material that we'll have in a given week. So, you know, we'll have a new sort of product release or a blog that'll be a think piece about what we're doing, or we'll be giving uh, some material away, uh, like a t-shirt, because someone's done really well and we want to sort of engage with them and say thank you. So he'll be thinking about that on that level. Uh, He'll be in the Telegram group, being an administrator for that. He'll be feeding information back to me, saying, hey, look, these are questions that are outstanding from the community. They want to know what's going on this. What's the timeline here for, you know, developing our network? Like, what's going on with that? And so he sort of facilitates all of that communication. It's an kind of invaluable job. And I think that's probably what most people think that a comms person does. But there's way more than that. So there's also, we have Wei, who is head of uh, DevRel, uh, and he has one of the most important jobs. So he's got slightly different skills. So he's a good marketer. He knows how to get out into the world and talk about streamer, but he's also got coding skills. So he's been absolutely brilliant in putting together kind of specific integrations, working with our developers, knowing what they think they want from Streamer and trying to, again, feed that back to us and also help developers who are building on our platform with both the technical aspects and also facilitating communication with the core team. So if they need a hand, he knows which developer to go to in Streamer and bring that back. Uh, and make sure things are running smoothly in that respect. Uh, he also goes to sort of various events and conferences and presents there uh, and helps out on the uh, on the sort of partnership side as well. Uh, so that's what he does. And then we also have uh, Francine, who we've just hired, and she heads up our marketing element. Her job, her primary role, is to find new audiences for Streamer. And uh, when we sort of set out where we think we need to go next or where we think there might be interest in Streamer, uh, she goes and carves out a kind of a strategy? Are we going to pay for some advertising for this? Are we going to talk to sponsors uh, about that? Uh, which events probably would be better uh, than not? Because there's so many events out there. You know, you've really got to sort of narrow it down. Otherwise, you're going to be spending your life at events. Sure. Uh, so that's uh, her job. And that makes up basically the portfolio of things that we do. And I manage all of that. Plus, I do specifically the PR element. So there are a lot of journalists out there. It's hard to capture their attention. And, uh, and sometimes, though, it's the other way around. You get a flood of interest and you have to figure out who you're going to talk to and why and when. Sure. This is, this is awesome, by the way. So I, I have a little flow chart. You have your social blogs, Telegram. That's a pillar of communication. You have your developers. Your developer has to talk to other developers and in integration with whoever wants to be a part of you guys and forward the projects. And so you have to have that element specific skill set in order to be able to communicate developer to developer core team with that lingo. You have to have your marketing and marketing communications. I'm assuming you have a copywriter out of there too. Um, yeah, yeah. I serve as the copywriter most of the time. Okay. And then, and then you have the PR element within that pillar. But what about the investor pillar? Are you in charge of that? Or is the CEO in charge of that? The person who does that is our COO. Um, and that falls under sort of operations. So there's a lot of channels for if you want investor relations. And... 
you know, we, we've also, I think the legal situations have changed and people have become a lot more wary as well of projects who are going out to deliberately hawk their token. And, and that's right, you know, people should be sitting there developing. They've got the money, if you want, that they've had from investors right at the beginning from crowdfunders. Uh, and they should be spending most of their time building. So in a sense, that relationship from my side, we're not looking for, in a sense, active investors, right? And we're not looking to sell the token. And I think this was a big transformation uh, really last year. It's very difficult for many teams, I think, to pivot out of the hype of 2017 mm-hmm. and then move forward into actively finding users, right? And that, that process, I think, was a, very painful because they're very different audiences. The people who, it, you know, the, the original dream was that, you know, you sell the token to people who are going to use the protocol. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't think, happened at all. Um, it may have happened right at the beginning with Ethereum and maybe also a little bit with Gollum, perhaps, uh, who was, uh, you know, the original ICO. And I worked for them for six months at one point. But even then, I think, you know, a lot of people were trying to obtain these tokens uh, with the idea that they would just profit. And yeah, they kind of knew enough about the idea and they'd read the white paper, perhaps. But that's where it stopped. They didn't think that they would be the users. So transferring, if you want, those tokens, that interest, that information that investors have, that those original crowdfunders have, and transferring that from one audience to another, a new audience of potential users, um, is is the job, if you want, of both comms and marketing. Hmm. Very interesting. Does communications generally fall under operations within your guys' organizational structure? No, we're a separate department. So we sort of stand alone. And uh, I think a lot of organizations here obviously have a non-hierarchical flavor. So we're a team that kind of reports we have, we try to have as much of a flat structure as possible. So there's us, there's the design team, there's the product team uh, who involve the vast proportion of our resources and uh, and our developers because they're the ones obviously, you know, building the product. Then we have the partnerships team. And uh, yeah, I think that's basically the organogram if you want. With this, all of this, with the social and the dev and the marketing and the PR element and finding users who are going to use your services. What are blockchain companies and crypto companies doing wrong in communications? I have looked at dozens and dozens of ICOs. And quite frankly, many of them didn't have this level of structure in getting out there and speaking to people. That's a fact. I mean, you'd be absolutely right. Uh, Streamer itself, you know, I I chatted with Henry and I don't think it, first of all, say, I don't think anyone knew it quite work this way, right? I mean, that's the whole point and that's the whole fun of a startup. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen and your ability to take the rough with the smooth and to plan ahead and have a bit of foresight gives you the edge. But I do also know that I don't think many white papers have an element of comms and marketing, at least the good, decent projects that are run by technicians who are primarily trying to build and architect something new. Lots of those projects, I don't think, had thought about what it meant to suddenly adopt a community of people. Uh, Because that's not what happens in the traditional VC world. Your investor relations is basically, you know, five, 10 people, maybe 20 uh, if you had a really good first round. And keeping those people happy is really easy because you don't need a professional communicator. And anyway, they don't want to be communicated to through a professional communicator. They just want to chat to the CEO and get their update, you know, once a month, once every three months, depending on who they are and why they invest and how much money they 
have and, you know, their propensity to be able to sort of lose money too, right? Sure. So they're not going to be nervously tweeting at you. They're not going to be nervously on Telegram going, you know, what's going on? What's going on? And, and I, I think that was the remarkable difference that people didn't really understand that if you look, if you crowdfund from 28 year old males by and large, <laughs> they're not all that, but that's the, the, the typical profile if you want. Mm-hmm. And we know that because we did some surveying. Uh, so I'm not just pulling that out from my hat. But if you do that, then suddenly you, you've really got to think long and hard about if you want your investor relations, because they just come with a different set of criteria. First of all, they're low level investors. So, you know, this really is for them a lot more. At least that's the impression I get sure. uh, in terms of what's putting in. So they're, they're risking a lot more uh, with you. Two, it's also completely unknown space. So, you know, we're not talking blue chip stock here, are we? So they also need to feel confirmed and validated that they've made the right choice, right? So actually, a lot of it's very much psychological. But then they're also in the space itself, you know, there's over scams that have gone on. And I think mm-hmm. from that perspective, uh, it's been really, really difficult. You know, I think we spent the first eight months, if you want, of communications just trying to tell people that we're not a scam, mm-hmm. right? Which if you think about it is a giant waste of resources if you're not a scam, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is why other people have different regulatory frameworks to work within, because then they can say, look, we are not a scam. And look, we you know being licensed in this way, or we've done this and that, or this, we're part of this consortium or body, or you can read our paperwork because it's filed in this and such and such a way. Mm-hmm. And the whole ICO space just had to reinvent all of this uh, infrastructure and all of these institutions uh, to make sure that people who were coming in, and we're still struggling with this, didn't think that, oh, this is a scam. So, you know, I think that was particularly difficult. And lots of projects at the start certainly didn't realize that. But if they did realize that, most of those projects that realized that were trying to take advantage of it, right, and just hawk their token Mm -hmm. and nothing else. And then they didn't have. So you had to be wary of people who were like, you know, too good, if you want, at marketing. And, you know, they remember the famous sort of uh, BitConnect meme. It's like, a, it's, it's, it's sort of a meme now, but at the time it's a real thing with a guy on the stage going, BitConnect, yeah. and trying to, what is he trying to do? He's trying to overtly scam people yeah. by making them believe in something. You know, it's yeah. the oldest scamming trick in the book. That, that I think, was the, the state of play right at the beginning. And you also mentioned that when we talked offline, you said the importance today in the space is how do you transition token users or spec speculators into a community. So you have a basket of speculators in a Telegram community and a basket of people who are actively using and engaged. And those two different groups need to be spoken to differently. And how do you manage the unfair expectations that companies will or will not be entirely transparent in terms of IP? Yeah. So let's, if you want, take those two questions separately. Uh, one of the things that we do is uh, we one of the tools that we have is called the editor. Uh, and on that editor, you can take real-time data and you can start to visualize it. You can turn it into a thing that we call the canvas. Um, it's a bit like Node-RED if anyone out there has used that. So first of all, they need help and, uh, and they have technical questions which they like to share amongst themselves. And then also they like to share their work. And it gets pretty technical again, drills down. On the other hand, obviously, we have people who are looking almost minute by minute at you know, what the price is on Binance. And what you don't want to do is completely divorce those two groups because they're interested in the same thing, right? They're interested in the success of streamer and where it's going and what's happening. But at the same time, you don't want your Telegram group, if that's what you're using, just to overrun with trading gifts. It's just, it's, you know, it's a nightmare if sure. you're actually trying to engage with the technology just in that. And vice versa. 
So what we did is we have a moon talk group where we allow anything to happen. You're like, great. And we don't actually even, we, we lightly moderate that place, but we don't actually even own that telegram room. It's owned by someone in the community. And we say, okay, look, if you want to talk trading, please, you know, do it there. Then we have a, a wider group where people can talk more uh, uh, generally about, you know, where stream is going, the, the strategy questions that they might have, the, the sort of more technical things. And then we also have another forum that we We've just set up now as our developer community sort of ecosystem is uh, has grown, uh, which is just a forum. And and Wei, who I mentioned before, who's head of DevRel, he set that up, and that's a more of a resource now with dev docs and the like. And I think spitting it like that was dangerous to start with because we were like, are we just going to spit the conversation? So we've got you know we'll end up with five active people in this place and fifteen people over here, and they just don't talk. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've got hundreds of people overall in our community, but you know it's about who's online at the same time. If they're all split into different rooms, they all might think that the whole thing is dead uh, because they don't have the overview that we have and they don't get talking. So that was a bit of a risky strategy and I think it's starting to pay off there. So let me take the second part of that question, which is that you know the, there are obviously loads of users out there who demand transparency from us. And we've also struggled with this because on one side, some of our partnerships team have NDAs. And there's a question about whether any open source project should be engaged with NDAs, but you know, big enterprises require that secrecy. So they were signed. Then they asked for a, the community asked for an update on the partnership. And then you go, well, hang on, look, there's an NDA. And then they go, well, now we don't trust you. We're not sure whether you're just saying that or, you know, because it's real or because the partnership is sort of entirely imploded and you're not telling us that, right? And just using this NDA thing as an excuse. Mm. Now, I think it was also a process of education for them that, look, if we do sign something like this, so what do you want, you know, what do you want? We had to have like a series of frank conversations, if you want, uh, where I said, look, what do you want us to do? do you, I can tell you what's going on because I sort of vaguely know uh, and I certainly keep myself updated as much as possible. But if I tell you this, then the, the partnership will be over. What do you want me to do? And people kind of understand that after a while and they just have to, in a sense, trust you, which is obviously very difficult for a space based on verification and not trusting people. Uh, so <laughs> that was really difficult. But we make up for it by transparency is, I think, a number of different steps, right? One, it's being regular. So you can't really be transparent if you come along once a year. Right. I think that's quite difficult to sustain. Right. So there's a, the, there's a regular and the frequency aspect. And then two, there's the kind of breaking things down in an un- understandable way. So lots of people get away with kind of being, they're, they're regular, right? But they come along and they just use jargon or waffle. And it doesn't really help educate the people. Uh, and, and it's actually obfuscation, if you want, by another way. Um, three, I found a really good tactic. It's also opening up the team. So it's not just one person doing this, right? So it's not just, if, if if you introduce all the other members of your team, people feel comfortable. They're like, oh, you're a family of people who work together. If you just have one face and one person, in a sense, doing communications, uh, that I think is also problematic and people don't trust you. And then the, the other aspect of that is then just raw data. Uh, that really helps uh, as well. So we try and do as much of that as possible. And obviously, because I think you know most of these projects are on blockchains, then it's easy to somewhat verify some basic things like sure. users, right? And that is, in fact, helpful. 
And then the last point is validation, which is, do you, have you opened yourself out to other people who have some credibility and can make some of these assessments about what you're doing? And that also means, are you visible in other places? Like, do you go to conferences and do you meet with people? And when those people meet you, you know, what are the reactions? And if you're recording that and showing that and giving that back to the wider community, I think all of these steps are steps that make you transparent. Hey there, everyone. My name is Justin Fortier. I'm the head of products here at XYO Network, and we're excited to come here and talk to you about DevZilla. What is DevZilla? It's an intimate opportunity to work closely with some of the uh, brightest minds and coolest people in blockchain and IoT. You're gonna be able to come out here and go to workshops, attend some pretty cool one-on-ones with our developers to work on your SDKs, your APIs, your smart contracts, and really get to know how our network operates and works. We're gonna be out here in beautiful sunny San Diego from June 5th through June 7th. We're gonna have some amazing speakers. We've got the world famous Nick Zabo. He's the father of the smart contract. We're also gonna have our very own Ari Tro, who's pioneering dataism and dataistic networks. He's paving the way for the data revolution. We also have Medea Parlakar. She's the CEO of Casper Labs, one of the brightest and most creative projects going on out there. We'll see you in sunny San Diego. Be sure to use promo code CRYPTO101. Check it out below in the show notes. Excited to see everyone there. Be sure to grab a cocktail and come say hi to me and let's build. You guys paint a beautiful picture of a company that is communicating well with your pillars and your organizational structure and even the way you explain what your company does and why. Answering the questions such as how do you separate the communities or even addressing the understanding, the minutia of running the business, NDAs, etc. And just having an honest conversation with your community. There are new blockchain companies, new crypto companies out there right now that are just starting. And they're doing a poor job communicating to their community. Is there a framework or are there principles or strategies that these entrepreneurs or startups can implement or adopt right now? And if so, what are they? I mean, I think the first thing is know your audience, right? You know, there's no point just trying to communicate. And this was a piece of advice I got from someone who'd been in the space for a long time. It's like, you know, you're using this voice, Shiv, was the advice I got. Like, when you communicate, like, what is that voice? Like, who who's it supposed to be directed to? Because that voice to me just sounds like you're off speaking to someone in the distance, right? Mm-hmm. Make it personal. Bring it down to actual people. Don't talk in this kind of marketing speak. And it was something that I defaulted to because I wasn't really sure who my audience was. I kind of met some people in the community personally. And then I was like, okay, finally, I get it. Like I should speak to Ross, who's a member of our community or Remy or like these guys like over here. Like that's who I'm addressing my stuff to. Like stop trying to speak to you know, in a sort of, if you want, thinking that we're already Facebook and we have 1 billion users, not that we want to be Facebook per se, but we do want the 1 billion users. That doesn't work if you're nowhere near that, right? If you've got a couple of thousand people in your community at most and maybe 50 really active people, stop trying to speak in that kind of, so know your audience, right? And and then the other half of knowing your audience, so getting the voice right, but the other half of knowing your audience is actually meet them right? And find out stuff about them. So we did a survey that really drilled down qualitatively into who people were, what their motivations were, why they were here and what they wanted to see from us. And then we tried to respond to that, right? 
that was really a little tricky to organize. Like, would people talk? But actually, lots of people were really willing to open up and, and tell us, like, and answer questions. Like, sure. why are you here? Like, what do you think about streamer? How did you get into this? Like, what was the what was the purpose of you doing that in the first place? Uh, and, and that was a really fascinating read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing is, if you meet people, you get feedback like that. So uh, that really helps. So knowing your audience inside out. Uh, is the first thing that you need to do. The second thing is, what's your product, right? What have you actually got? What does it do? Where are you, uh, you know, in in development? Don't overhype that, right? Like, oh my, because, you know, there's a, there was a massive tendency in 2017 to cut through the noise by saying, we have the best, you know, insert whatever it is here, uh, thing. Most it's in- going to- Innovative, fastest, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Quantum resistant, right? You know, just (laughs) stick in the jug and fill it up. Um, You know, and it's Ethereum killer, you know, whatever it is. (laughs) It it was getting ridiculous. I can remember being at, I think, the crest of that wave for me anyway, uh, and maybe for other people was at consensus. It was, I mean, there were thousands of people in in, in that hotel in New York at the Hilton, and it was ridiculous, right? You kind of want to, we, the team christened one of the like hallways, Shitcoin Alley. Because it was just filled of full of projects that just like we're never gonna make it, right? You're like, how many kind of medical coins can you really have? Maybe two, seventeen? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, and they're all next to each other. So in order to cut through those people, like you know, they hyped everything, and that isn't honest because mm. you've got to start preparing people for the reality that you're building something. It's gonna take time. We're gonna start at the beginning, and it might not work. Right. I mean, this is another major problem, which is, you know, how are people in this space going to deal with honest failure? Yeah. Yeah. Right. We know about the scams. Fine. Mm. We know about people who fail because they're just terrible. Uh, But there's something else, which is that, actually, you know, the the stat is whatever it is, like 90 percent of startups fail. There's a reason for that. It's not because they're all terrible. You know, there's outside stuff that just doesn't work out. Right. There's small dynamics within a team. There's externalities to worry about. Funding dries up, like all sorts of things happen. And those are honest failures. And, you know, I don't think we're prepared for that as a space. Right. With that investor crowd that I, we, we talked about at the beginning, right? Yeah. And you know what? We talked about offline having you on for another show about talking about honest failure because that has to be a conversation that's out there. People need to hear that honest failure is okay. But how do, right. how do, you, how do you do it right? And I'm excited to have you back on for that. But I, I want to recap this one. Know your audience. Get your voice right. Meet them. Ask them for some feedback. Know your product something else that you said is there's some brilliant people out there and they're bootstrapping. There's brilliant people out there who are not communication experts. How would you advise them to structure their small business startup if they're not an expert in this? Because it can be overwhelming just with everything that you guys named. Somebody who's not an expert at this would struggle, I'm sure. So before I answer that, let me flip it around, which is to also say, look, as a communicator, knowing your product means in this space, you know, and actually all products really have this, you have to be able to drill down into the specifics. And and this is the interesting thing about the blockchain space, because it's new, it's an entirely new field, if you want, you know, there weren't like people who already knew what the blockchain was, what crypto was, what cryptographic hashes were. I mean, there's just, there was so much for me personally to get my head around. Mm. 
before I could start to go out into the world and say, yes. look, I have faith in this. And, you know, the words that I use just conveyed that authority. It took me, I think, six months to get it up to a point where I felt somewhat comfortable and probably only until now where I felt authoritative to talk about streamers tech. Right, uh, and go into that in a deep way. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm still nowhere near developer level, right? Right. Um, but if you're the CTO, COO, um, how do you make this decision about uh, who do you hire? I mean, look, I think that is a CEO skill, right? Like, can you find the right people for the right job? Like, if you can't do that, you should not be a CEO. You have to be a sort of jack of all trades. You have to kind of know roughly what everyone else does and be able to drill down a little bit on it. But you can't expect yourself to be the expert on all these things. Otherwise, again, you just you're never going to grow beyond 12 people. So if I was a CEO, what would I look for in a comms person? Someone who's got a history of being able to communicate and tell stories well. That's a really good start because uh, they can't tell any story, then they're certainly not going to be able to tell yours. Someone who has a passion, uh, number two, uh, is, is, is they have to have passion. If they have passion for what they're doing and for what you're doing more, more particularly, uh, or for the space that you're situated in, then that passion will always carry them through because that's what you want in your communications. You want passion because there's a, you know, there's thousands of people out there, millions of people out there that you're trying to vie for their attention. And that's if right. you yourself don't have that passion, then screw it, like forget it, 100%. just go home. 100%. Right. Yep. Um, and then obviously people who have technical skills, who've done it sort of before, who have a history of, of communicating, who know uh, the tools and know your audience. I think, you know, maybe where Henry, my CEO, did a bad job in hiring me. Uh, I hope he's not listening to this and makes that realization. Um is that I don't think I knew developer audiences very well. I was a good general communicator. You know, I'd written books. I know social media pretty well. Um, you know, I'd written for obviously newspapers and I communicated to audience of millions of people. Not a problem. Developer audiences, not mm. a clue. Sure. And I think that, you know, I had to now then realize, like, how does this happen? Who are we trying to? I mean, we didn't have a ready-made developer audience already. I mean, we had some people who were already using some of the legacy tools that we were trying to decentralize. Uh, so that was great. And we're still talking to them uh, on a regular basis. But I didn't have that particular skill set. So I had to hire out. And thankfully, we found someone who was awesome at that. Well, thank you for answering that. And thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your honesty and letting us get behind the scenes of Streamer and your guys' organization and how you communicate to your people. And I think it's been very helpful. I think the audience will get some tremendous value out of it. Where can people find more about you? your company, if people just want to reach out and say, what's up, how can they get a hold of you? So there's a, a website, obviously, w.streamer.com. Uh, then we've got our Twitter handle. I'm usually on Twitter uh, a lot. So uh, at streamer, so S-T-R-E-A-M-R, -E so no, no E-R. And then we've also got our Telegram group, so you can search for us on that. Uh, Streamer Data is our main Telegram group. And there's a whole load of friendly, lovable people uh, that you'll find there if you come and join us. So um, those are the main avenues. But we're on Medium. We've got our blog. We've got a whole set of channels, which you can find also at the bottom of our website to, sure. to your preference. I will plug that in. Shiv, thanks a lot. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Lyra. Really appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening and thank you Shiv for taking the time out of your very busy day to speak to us about communications. Please subscribe to us, follow me on the podcast and all of the socials, Twitter at Sup Aaron Paul and the podcast at ICO 101 Podcast as well. If you want to become 
more of the formal connection with me, then let's connect on LinkedIn at Sup Baron Paul. Don't forget to check out my friend Matthew Aaron on Crypto 101 Podcast to further your crypto education. And thank you, Randy, for hooking up the audio edits. Until next time, peace. <laughs>